Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Money Talks. Hope you're doing well. My name is Hugh Meyer. Excited to be here today with our guest, Craig Detweiler. Craig, how you doing? Good. Thanks for having me, Hugh. Yeah. Thank you for being here. Just to remind everybody, uh, you know, we created Money Talks to connect small business owners to lead entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and business experts, and just discuss how they're thinking creatively during these pretty disruptive times. Excited to have Craig here today. Craig is the president of Wedgwood Circle. He has a very long resume here. He is a uh, published author, uh, film writer. He's had his commentary uh, put on Nightline, CNN, and NPR. And I was super psyched to have him here today because, again, he has a, his uh, amazing background in a lot of different areas, and many of which we discuss here. So without further ado, I wanted to uh, we'll get right into it with Craig. Thank you again for being here. Can you tell the audience a little, a little bit about your background, please? Sure. Um, well, I'm, uh, I'm originally from the East Coast, uh, but came to California, went to film school, USC film school. Hope that doesn't offend too many people. Maybe as many people who love it, hate it, which is fine. Um, but it was my introduction into Hollywood and how the entertainment industry works. And of course, such a lifeblood for California and, and Southern California in particular, but, but really an exporter around the world. And so um, I've worked you know, both uh, on the content side, writing scripts, directing documentaries, uh, doing things for TV as well as film. I've also done a lot of marketing and uh, worked with a lot of different studios on how to reach different segments of the market that they're looking for. I've done study guides, a lot of different things to uh, help people connect to, uh, you know, to audiences, basically. That's, yeah, that's great. And obviously that's a huge piece of, you know, what anyone in, in the business world, you know, needed to have an understanding of and grasp. But if it's been clearly been elevated uh, here in the last six months uh, for, you know, for better, unfortunately, you know, we've been put in the position we've been in by COVID, but it's, you know, forced um, all of us, uh, business, small business owners, especially to kind of focus on what you were just talking about and really learning to figure out, you know, the digital age and, how to best kind of use content to you know reach you know reach your your clients reach your customers and and be authentic i mean that's obviously a huge you know you, you have to be real so yeah i actually saw a stat recently that based on the projections of where they thought e-commerce would go that essentially in this 6 months it has been comparable to about a 10 year Right. Like, I mean, the chart just goes straight up. <laughs> Everything that was going to be incremental has just been accelerated. And, uh, and so if you weren't in that space or if you weren't quite comfortable or weren't, weren't sure what to do with that, it's been a steep, steep learning curve. Right. And, and yeah, you were just touching on, you know, how, you know, how, how exponential it's all gone. And let's talk about, you know, you and I talked off camera about, you know, there's obviously technology companies and you've, you've very in tune with this because you've done some work here as far as how they've really kind of leveraged this and, and, and are been so successful with it. So maybe talk a little bit about that. Well, yes. I mean, you, you, there was already a bit of a, a, a gap that was developing between, say, streamers like, of course, Netflix and Amazon and the traditional studios, you know, that were still tied to uh, physical theaters and right. you know, <laughs> how many, how many films that were supposed to open in theaters? I mean, 
I'm talking about stars like Tom Hanks, right? right? Suddenly Apple is buying his film and taking it straight to Apple TV. Uh, massive productions like Mulan, right? $200 million of physical production. And Disney Plus is like, yes, I will use that to, you know, ratchet up my my earnings. And it's interesting. I, I, I saw that even Disney um, had made, I think, at, at $30 per family, right, who wanted to watch Mulan. I think it had made maybe $250, $280 million, which is a big number, right? It's a huge number. But then when you think of what they would have taken in a, in a split with theaters, right? So you're actually talking about something that's closer to probably $600 million. Wow, or seven hundred million in theaters to get back two hundred eighty-six million that they now kept in house. Right. So the power of uh, you know having your own platforms and your own ability to take your story to the market. It doesn't matter whether you're talking about somebody you know huge like Disney or whether you're talking about you know even a mom and pop business. Right. You put yourself out there. Can you find your customers directly and can you develop a relationship with them? Which again, the studios have been slow to do. Right. I don't think. You know, uh, Warner Brothers and, and HBO didn't necessarily know who a HBO customer was. They had a name, maybe, or somebody on a, a cable bill. But now they're going to get a whole different set of metrics to understand uh, their their viewers much better. Yeah, I mean, that's super interesting because it's amazing how, you know, you're here talking. You know, you clearly have a, a huge history and a knowledge of the entertainment business. But what has gone on recently, like you just drew that connection, it, it's, it, you can connect that to any business. How, you know, you've got, you know, this group, you've got groups of, of businesses who are really accepting, call it, of the digital age. I, I've had people on, we talk about the digital versus the analog world. And to your point, talking about how Apple clearly, you know, in tune with the digital world, is figured out how to leverage what's going on. And you're seeing a lot of other businesses that have, you know, grasped this and have wanted to learn about it and, and understand it are really excelling right now. And the people that are kind of maybe call them slow adopters, they're, you know, they have to really kind of ramp it up because it just seems like it's, you know, this is here to stay. You know, we hope that COVID and everything about that goes away, but the way business gets done, that's changed. That's right. And, you know, even this, the notion of business analytics, which I think some people thought, well, that's something for, you know, a computer technology based company. Um, that's something that somebody like Amazon does. And of course now we understand, no, 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 that's what everybody does. Everybody needs to understand who am I actually dealing with? Where are those customers coming from? How do I get clicks? How do I retain customers? What does it cost, right? What is the cost to get that attention? Um, and so suddenly now everybody is a bit in the analytics game, even if you are, uh, I would say in a sense, a brick and mortar type of store. You still right. have to figure out how do I start with the phone, right? How do I, how do I give people updates, coupons, uh, ways to interact with me um, on, a, on a daily basis? Yeah, it's, 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 yeah, it's a great, that's also a great analogy to connect, you know, to the mom and pops and, you know, restaurants with you, you know, who clearly have been un unfortunately horribly impacted by all this, but you're seeing how the, the, the savvy owners have learned to kind of productize, 
you know, if the, if if their restaurant served a certain kind of dish or a dessert or whatever it was or a wine or whatever, they've learned to okay, well now I have to productize this and take this digital so that I can stay stay afloat. Um, and and who knows, it may create a whole another business for that business owner. Mm-hmm. Well, and you also uh, realize how how quickly you have to be able to respond. How, how quickly you need to inform people of shifts and changes in your business and in your deliveries, right? As we've had this sort of open close or, you know, I'm, uh, right. I'm open for takeout or, well, no, I'm open on the patio, right? It's like every week has been a change in the uh, conditions. And as a consumer, I can't be, you know, it, it's not really up to me necessarily to understand what each restaurant in each city and even the jurisdictions between city and city right. or county to county. Um, so I was shocked yesterday, literally, to be walking on a beach in Malibu, and we saw that the uh, this place called the Sunset Room, that is uh, kind of at the edge of uh, Point Doom in Malibu, was open not only open for business but out on its patio. It was jam packed. It was absolutely full, and we we're like, I guess they're open for business, right? Which I didn't know. <laughs> and maybe some of that is location, right? People right, are at the right. beach, and they're like, Hey, this restaurant's open, and let's go in there. But for me, as someone who said, hey, I can come back on another day, <laughs> I didn't necessarily plan to be at the sunset room. Right. But now I'm like, hey, when is a good sunset? I know where I want to try to go. Right. And, and, and some of that, unfortunately, was stuck with me physically having to go to the place. Right. Um, they had figured out a way to be in relationship with me otherwise and say, send me a picture on my phone, like a, a picture of the sunset from their restaurant on, you know, on Saturday that I might've been sitting there on Monday eating. Yeah, that, that's a great point. And so, you know, we obviously be talking, you know, about the power of kind of harnessing social media, but there's also kind of the other side to it. And, you know, you and I talked a little bit about the documentary, the, the social, the social dilemma. And, you know, we like as we were saying earlier, and it's super important to, to be authentic and have a value proposition. But there's clearly another side to it that we're all being exposed to, and we need to be aware of because it can also work, you know, against you. And so, talk a little bit about that. Sure. Well, yeah, the social dilemma is really interesting. It's been pretty much in the top ten on Netflix since it debuted. Um, it premiered at Sundance uh, earlier this year. And uh, it's, it's really talking with uh, technology uh, creators, with coders, people who, who helped build these companies who are also actually disturbed by what these companies are now doing. Right. And, and to some degree, how much power, uh, particularly when it comes to data, resides in the hands of just a very few companies. And so uh, we as consumers are often in the position of trusting them with our data, right. but we don't necessarily understand what is happening to that. Um, you know, it's uh, the phrase that comes up earlier in, in the film is, you know, if you're not paying, right, for the service, that's because the, the service is actually being paid to sell you, <laughs> right? So you uh, are the product right. uh, in, in services like Google, uh, Facebook, right? They're, they're, they're leveraging their knowledge of you, aggregating it in a way, and selling you to advertisers. Um, which, if you're in the advertising space, it's great to have kind of uh, 
micro-focused to say, I'm looking for this kind of, of customer, this kind of audience, this kind of consumer. Uh, but as a consumer, so many times have we, have we seen where you do like one search for, you know, a mattress, and now for the next week, <laughs> you're going to be getting mattress ads, you know, just coming at you, coming at you, coming right. at you. Right. Uh, and so that, uh, that what a lot of people would call it a filter bubble, right? Like once you're kind of stuck in, uh, as, as known as a mattress buyer, right? It's like, how long are they going to follow you <laughs> and right. say, we've got a mattress for you right over here. Um, and so I think that we're still in this, I, I don't want to call it an infant stage, but maybe it's more like an adolescent stage where, um, that relationship between kind of creepiness, it, 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 you know, where companies maybe know a little too much about you and they immediately like latch on to one search you're doing on this platform and suddenly push it, uh, you know, vacation over here. Like you look at one picture from Costa Rica, everybody thinks you're going to move there. <laughs> you know, and it's like, no, I just, I was, uh, somebody told me they were in Costa Rica. I didn't say I wanted to go to Costa Rica. Um, so I think that, uh, that need for agency amongst ourselves for taking control of our own data as consumers is equally important to the company that's trying to say, I need to know more about my customers. And so it's that authentic relationship rather right. than, than that kind of manipulated relationship that I think is what will sustain uh, businesses over the long haul. And, and how are you, you know, this, cause this is obviously an, it's super interesting subject. Unfortunately, it's just, it's the reality of, you know, the world we live in, I guess, how do you advise others, especially in kind of whether it's, you know, in, in the entertainment in studios or it's businesses, like as far as how do you best manage that? So, you know, you're not kind of going over the line, so to speak. Mm -hmm. I think you have to give consumers uh, a, a little more of a opt in and not this constant, like a complete latching on. Right. Um, you know, there's, there's some, some organizations and, and companies where they email me like every Friday, whether I want it or not, you know, and, and, and it, after a while, right, it just kind of rolls off my back because it's like, well, I, I, I needed you that one time, but I don't need you every Friday. And so I understand you want a relationship with me, but you become kind of like that, you know, stalker uh, kind, of, right. <laughs> kind of, you know, uh, relationship. And uh, where I'm kind of like, get off me, you know? And that's when I hit the unsubscribe button. And maybe right. I hit that unsubscribe button if you were a little more aware of why I was looking for you in the past and what kind of relationship I do want to be in with you and where I want to see you. Maybe I want to see you... Um, you know, on my phone, but not in my email. Or maybe I want to see you on Instagram where I can scroll past you, but I don't really want to see you on Facebook. You know, maybe it's more of an image-driven relationship. Show me pictures, show me products. Um, but maybe it's not invade my inbox where I already have too many things going on. And so it is kind of learning how to dial, um, I would say, those particular uh, finer points of a relationship that, that, you know, if you hire the right people who can be sophisticated in their understanding of data and in their understanding of relationships, um, you develop, I would say, a, a mutually beneficial relationship where you're giving them or us as consumers the, the info we want, um, not what you want to push on us. And so that push-pull, right, right. is a very interesting dynamic. That's that all of us, I think, are still figuring out how to 
um, navigate. Thank you for that. that. That's great. Can you touch a little bit on how, you know, your, how COVID, you know, obviously things have dramatically changed between, you know, pre and now, how has that kind of impacted what you do on a day-to-day basis? Hmm. I think I've been surprised um, how much I could get online. <laughs> and uh, I think if, if I'm um, in the physical space kind of business, it's a, I think it's a very scary time. Um, you know, it, it's not that I don't, I mean, I love a, a, a theatrical movie experience. I love being overwhelmed by, by the big screen. And yet, it's been, you know, six months since I've seen a movie in a theater and I've still seen a lot of movies and, and, and I'm not, you know, hankering to get back to Tenet right now when I'm like, I don't know about the person sitting on my right or left. Right. And so a, a lot of consumer habits, they say, right, it, it only takes maybe 60 days to change consumer behavior, right? Well, we're now, you know, 120, uh, 150 um, so it's not clear to me how many habits this will change, but just even the f- fact about shopping, right. You know, it's like, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to write off, you know, Macy's or whatever, you know, forever. Uh, JC Penny obviously is already struggled. Lord and Taylor we saw, um, you know, struggle, but even stores that are kind of specialized like REI where maybe at REI you love kind of touching it and feeling the texture of the material. But I've gotten used to just saying, you know, I need some shoes and I'm just gonna get them to send it to me. And so um, that tactile experience of shopping is kind of, you know, I don't wanna say it's inconvenient, but I have gotten used to the convenience of just click, just click. And that's what I was talking about where that e-commerce has taken. And, um, and so your investment in that physical space where it's like, oh, well, you can try these, you know, four bicycles. It's like, well, maybe I don't need to ride those four bicycles. I'm just going to go ahead and order one and maybe be satisfied once I do my research with what I get. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. You talk about the, uh, the bicycle. I mean, I remember when this all started, you know, the, if you have kids, obviously, you know, you want to be outside because their environment just dramatically changed. There's no more at the time school, no more school, no more interaction. So, you know, we started our, in our neighborhood, all of a sudden you started to see families out with bikes and we're like, all right, you know, my wife and I didn't have a bike. So, you know, we called the local guy and he had it, he was in his truck and at our house, you know, within a day or two with two new bikes. I mean, he immediately kind of figured out, all right, I have to survive here. What am I going to do? He was in his truck bringing the bikes over and, and I hope he's still as busy as he was, as he was back in April, March, cause he literally like he couldn't keep the bikes in his store. Mm-hmm. So, but it was that ability to just kind of figure it out. And that was a mom and pop business owner. who was right. like, all right, you know what? I, I could take advantage of this environment. I will do whatever I have to do. And clearly they're not coming into my store. I got to get out. So and so suddenly he's a home delivery business, right? Right. And, and, but he also has a, a, a unique relationship now to that, to you as a customer. He actually knows where the bike will be ridden. Right. He knows what neighborhood you're in. And he can even, you know, even if he sets you up to refer 
other people, right? Where people are like, hey, look at your new bike. And you're like, hey, this guy delivered, right? I uh, Absolutely. I mean, I was free advertising. I mean, because people were, well, that's a great bike. And, you know, where did you get it? Boom. You know, studio cycle. <laughs> yeah, there it is. Give him a shout I'm out. Pro- him- promoting it right here. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm unbeknownst to him. But yeah, like, to, again, to your point, like, that's, you know, those that's people, next level customer service right it right? is i mean it it's is. a different level of transaction that says how far do i have to go to reach you but then the, the the potential loyalty that arises from even that heightened customer service uh might make you even a more loyal customer um no so question it's really a matter of convenience right it's a matter of almost loyalty um, it is no question and i listen he's not the only you know bike guy if you will in our area. I mean, I know of probably two or three or four more, but you know, somebody said I got my bike from him. So we called him and next thing you know, he's at our house. And then, you know, next thing I know we're riding the bikes in the neighborhood and there's this truck on another street with bikes dropped being dropped off. So again, to credit, you know, kudos to, to, to him for really, you know, figuring this out quickly. And I hope, I, I will, you know, we hope that we see more businesses like that. Hopefully they've kind of figured it, figured it out, so to speak, how they can, you know, what they need to do to kind of manage through this. Mm-hmm. Well, I think all the things you're talking about, customer service, uh, delivery, convenience, um, all of those things have just risen, you know, exponentially, right. which is why the, the, the massive companies that were already, you know, had done things like that, like Amazon, right? We've all read about, how, you know, they've only gotten richer, right? The rich have gotten richer, but those who had kind of worked out logistics right. uh, were steps ahead. Whereas I know, you know, small business owners who maybe had supply lines with China that were dependent upon that right. relationship, and it's all suddenly cut off. And now they've got, you know, problems both in shipping and receiving and, and you know, raw materials. Um, and so that you know, keeping those pipelines uh, of supply and demand clear uh, are really probably more important than ever. Agreed. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I've, cre- I've created a, a, sh- a short new segment to my podcast in the last couple of weeks because I felt like I was spending, you know, too much time. I was peppering my guests. So I wanted to offer the guests the opportunity to ask myself a question. I've called it the call it the money talks minute. So, you know, feel free to, uh, you know, ask away and, uh, you know, you know, so we can kind of take the conversation potentially in another direction. Sure. Um, well, you know, I, I think it's been tricky for me. I see the stock market rising and I see that people have said the real estate market is, is really heating up, but I'm, I'm sort of also scared at the same point. I sort of say, is this short-term gain? Is this thing's going to pop? Um, what is, what's your advice in, in terms of, you know, uh, buying, selling, uh, where are we? What do you, what do you think? Great question. Um, yeah, it, it, it's definitely, a, uh, call it an economy and a market of two stories because, you know, un, you know, unfortunately on one end, the economy, while it's not where it was in March, you know, it's, it's improved a little bit you know, the market, the, the stock market's telling you one thing and obviously the economy and all the lost jobs are, are on the other hand, telling you another. And, you know, I think what has happened is, just, you know, we've had a lot of um, specula- speculative fervor that's kind of hit the markets because, 
you know, the, the Federal Reserve came in very quickly with um, a, a, an enormous amount of stimulus. Then the government came in with an enormous amount of stimulus. And, you know, for better or for worse, you know, a lot of that money that's gotten to people has been used to chase assets. Um, a lot, you know, people have definitely been saving money, but you see what's happening in, you know, like me today in my house, I have painters. So people are, you know, looking in real estate. Can I improve my house? Should I move? Should I up? Do I want more space? Do I want less space? So I, I think we're at a phase right now that, you know, of uh, where people, you know, if you talk about real estate, um, I think it's maybe short term because things, depending on where you are in the country, some places are very overheated. You know, you get the stories of everyone's leaving the metropolitan areas, which I can tell you is not a hundred percent true. Uh, don't <laughs> always be, don't, <laughs> don't always believe everything the media is telling you. Um, I, I I can tell you firsthand that there are actually people moving to LA. Um, <laughs> believe it or not, so not everyone is leaving the cities. But yeah, it's, it's, you know, I think, I think I'm hopeful that, you know, things will continue to improve. I think hopefully things continue to get better, um, you know, for everyone in the economy, because clearly, you know, we've been sitting here talking a lot about, you know, the Amazons and the apples that have feasted on what's, what's gone on here. Um, because they're just, you know, they, they're, embedded in the digital world and have so many tentacles everywhere could figure out how to leverage that. And that's why I created the podcast because it was important for me to bring on people like yourself and other entrepreneurs who have, have a track record and can speak to small business owners about what they can do to kind of, you know, be a part of everything here as kind of the economy will continue to improve. Mm. Yeah. Well, you know, as someone who's been in communication, particularly mass communication, um, I think the understanding of digital communication and understanding visual communication. Um, so it's a question of both speed and clarity um, and understanding that your aesthetic in and around your, whether it's your business or your person, right. uh, communicates such a great deal of value about what you do. And so we might be inclined to say, well, who cares about how my pictures look or who cares, you know, how it's lit or what the colors are. And it's like, well, that actually is people's first encounter with you. And so right. scrimping on those visual details, you actually are maybe shortchanging yourself as well. Um, I, you know, the next generation understands, uh, I would call it image management and, and it can be right. exhausting you know, uh, on Instagram, trying to always look perfect and present an idealized version of yourself. So I'm not saying, you know, go overboard and try to present a, a rosier picture with, you know, everything that's been airbrushed. Right. But to understand that how you present yourself uh, visually and also with, with copy, but really visually is how people will get a first impression. And, and we know in all relationships, um, whether that's romantic or business, those first impressions make a huge difference, huge difference. It's true. I mean, it's, it, what you're saying is, is, is 100% accurate, um, especially, you know, I, I've in the last, call it month or two, have started to, you know, use Instagram. I never had before. 
you learn a lot. I mean, uh, it seems to me like the whole world is on, has, has gone on to Instagram. Um, and it's, you know, I feel like most of what I look at is, 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 is really good. I think you, 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 you know, clearly nothing, it's never a hundred percent going to be authentic with everyone across the board, but I feel like, you know, and someone asked asked me this on my last podcast, and I said, you know, I think what's what what I'm really I'm not surprised about, but excited about is people's resilience. I think Americans are way more resilient than they give themselves credit for, and you're kind of seeing that, you know, manifesting. And I see with Instagram because people are on there, and I think a lot of them have a real value to add, and they're posting. Um, you know, things that are, listen, they're helpful to me. I, you know, and I appreciate it. And so I, you know, I, like I said, I think people are being really resilient right now and figuring out, listen, this is a tough time and I need to survive. But if I'm going to survive, I have to be authentic. I have to be real, whether you're a studio, whether you're Amazon, whether you're you or I, if we're not delivering a value proposition, then people are going to, get that really quickly to your point where you're just making about the image. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, one of my, uh, I have a friend who owns a, a tattoo parlor in Ohio and, and as a tattoo artist, uh, he was basically shut down. He right. couldn't do his work, but he said, you know what? I will now become a visual artist and I will draw you a tattoo and who wants to buy this. And he literally started like auctioning things off. He's like, about 50 bucks for this one. And somebody's like, I'll take it. And somebody else is like, I'd, I'd like the same one. So now he's like, how about $100 for this one? And then he draws another one. And, and so he, he basically took his art that used to be on bodies and he literally put it online. And That's he, awesome. I love it, that. And he, it was complete improv. It wasn't what he wanted to do. He right. wanted to be back in his shop. He wanted to be doing what he was trained to do. But he took his art and said, I can change and I can shift because I have to. And, uh, and I think all of us who maybe, you know, I was not about to get a massive, you know, <laughs> tattoo on my shoulder, but I'll buy uh, art that might have gone on a shoulder and right. in business and put it on my wall and say, yeah, I'm thinking about Billy White tattoos and, uh, and his shop in, uh, in Ohio. So I, I, I you know what, I, I want to talk to him. I, I love that story. I think that's great. You know, the one thing I always been saying with all my guests is that, you know, clearly the news cycle, you know, is, is quite negative or at least to lean and leans negative. And there's so many positive stories like the one you just told me about and our, and the viewers about it's hap- Those things are happening everywhere, but you don't hear about it. You know, you hear about the, you know, unfortunate negatives all the time, but those are, that's a great story. Yep. Um, well, and, somebody and, who's learned to adjust all this. And he even created his own uh, back to school program for kids who needed back to school shoes. So he, his shop wasn't open, but he was like, hey, if you have some shoes you want to donate, come bring it to my shop and I'll allow people to come and pick up shoes. That's and so great. he became this community service center, uh, right, where he's stepping in with maybe back to school kind of problems where people maybe don't have the money to do the right. normal shoes and school stuff so if you're going to buy a pair of shoes for your kid why don't you buy a pair of shoes for somebody else's kid and we don't have to talk about who's got money and who doesn't right get through this this moment right now that's great 
I, thank you for I appreciate that story. That's really great. Can you just, as we conclude, maybe leave us with one or two thoughts, uh, kind of going forward? Well, I loved your uh, point about uh, resilience and um, and uh, you know the ability to shift, uh, the ability to change. You know, I mean, I remember, you know, obviously in World War II, you had whole factories, whole businesses, you know, that were producing cars that now suddenly said we're going to have to produce airplanes and they right. just shifted literally overnight um that is the entrepreneurial spirit um and and i guess uh we're all maybe being forced more into that than we wanted we might have known what our business was and unfortunately our business changed because the market right. changed and the delivery changed and so we can bemoan the fact that life as we knew it has shifted or we can get on with the shift right and, uh, that's and, it and so, uh, you know, I, I want to go back. I want to see movies on the big screen. But in the meantime, I'm going to continue to watch stuff. And I'm going to continue to find stuff. And the best stuff is still going to win in right. wherever I can find it, you know. And so make yourself findable. Uh, make yourself accessible. Uh, you know, figure out how to put up that sign, right? The original, the origins of advertising was literally a sign outside your shop advertising right. your services. So, kind of tap into that and say, okay, well, where do I need to hang my digital sign that somebody can see it and find my services? That's great. That, what a perfect way to end uh, this episode. Thank you again, Craig. It was uh, really amazing to talk to you. Appreciate your time and your thoughts and uh, definitely want to have you back again when time permits. All right. Keep rocking it, Hugh. Keep up the great work. Thank you, Craig. I really appreciate it. Thank you again, everyone, for being here for another episode of Money Talks. Really appreciate it. Um, just remember to uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel, smash the like button, and uh, have a great rest of your week. And remember, Money Talks. My name is Hugh Meyer. Take care. Thanks again.